Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. I loved having this conversation with Leslie. Um, we go into so many topics. One of my favorite parts about interviewing people is that you never know what's going to come up. And so many things came up in this interview that I was not expecting. And I'm so glad that all these different topics came up. We talked about how she created her retreat program, how she got into coaching, and how she was really able to build this life that she loves and the blocks that she had around creating this life. And, you know, she also runs a business with her ex-boyfriend. We talk about that dynamic, forgiveness, grief, and so much more. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Leslie, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know about your story, any career changes you've had so far. How did you get to the place you're at right now? Hello, I'm so grateful to be here. How did I get to the place I am now? I mean, I feel like I could go year by year just alone in my 20s and have a whole podcast episode for you per year. But I'm going to go ahead and start. Really, I remember there was this quote, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's a quote that basically says your 20s are for you to mess up. Your 20s are for you to fall down, try things, love things, hate things, never let your feet touch the ground. And that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I messed up a lot. I learned a lot. I played. I made mistakes. I tried new things. I stepped outside of my comfort zone over and over. And the last decade, I'm now entering my 30s, but the last decade in my 20s, truly, truly, I hold so dear to my life, to my heart, to my experience, because it is absolutely every step of that journey is what led me here today to be able to be on this podcast, to share my story in hopes of inspiring, in hopes of really ultimately giving permission for the listeners out there that if your story is seeming to be a little bit messy right now, the golden nugget the lessons, the transformation, the growth, all of the goodies that we really want in this life are found in the mess. And so I will start, in fact, Sophia doesn't even know this part, we were talking a little bit before this episode, but even previous to the relationship I was just sharing with her, I actually started my 20s by getting married, very young. And 
previous to that or around that same time, actually, my mom had passed away. And when I was younger, back when I was 15 years old, my dad had passed away. So at the time of being 21 and getting married, of course, I, I knew everything. I knew it was the right decision. No one could tell me otherwise at the time. But I really see where I was a girl who was hurting, who was lost, who wanted nothing more than to have this normal, quote unquote, whatever normal is, right? This normal family. And so I did really what I knew in survival, and none of this was conscious at the time, of course, and I got married. And I did that for a while. And it really wasn't until we ended up being married for four years together for six, but it wasn't until I finally got into a point in my relationship where, and just in my life, where I started giving myself people, places, experiences that really brought me joy, not what my husband wanted, not what my friends at the time were into, but really for the first time ever, I'm like, I really want to go back to school. And I don't want to go to school for what I was going to go to school for. I want to go to school for something else. I want to actually feel better. I want to be happy and joyful and adventurous and feel good in my body. And I could never stay consistent with the gym before, but I just started. I just started instead of once again, waiting for the permission of my husband to be on board and go with me or waiting for my friend, my little bestie to go with me. I started just saying, what if I just go? What if I just try? And I started just showing up to my life, little bits, nothing drastic, but I started showing up to my life in a different way giving myself opportunities, ultimately, to surprise myself. And ever since then, that was about my mid-20s, ever since then, I have been on this grand adventure, is what I call it, this grand adventure into me, into discovering, especially as I'm leaving a marriage mid-20s, I mean, whoa, <laughs> I did not know myself whatsoever. And so I started on this grand adventure of, what do I like? What don't I like? Not what my mom told me, my dad told me to believe in or like or value or my society or my friends. At the time, I was an army wife, so I was in that army, military, kind of traditional culture. And I started saying, hold up, hold on. Yes, yes, and yes, but what do I think? Like, what do I actually think? What do I actually feel about this topic? or this situation? What don't I like? What do I like? And what if it's actually different from the belief systems, the values in which I was given? And it's been a grand discovery ever since. And so ultimately, that's a very probably elevated way to share that it's been a mess. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been an adventure. It's been fun. And every step of the way has ultimately guided me home where before I was always reaching out to boys, <laughs> to girls, to friends, social drinking, to then drinking, shopping, 
food, anything that temporarily had me feel that sense of security, had me feel that sense of home. But I discovered it was always so temporary. It worked for a while. And then I'd be like, still left with that emptiness, still left. I remember for a while there when I was, I'm in, I'm a registered nurse, no longer practicing at the bedside. However, when I was in nursing school, I mean, I was full-time nursing school, full-time work. I was a wife. I was externally, it looked like I was this rock star. How can she do it all? But at the end of the day, 10 o'clock at night, I would, you know, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., boom, boom, boom. But at the end of the day, when I would lay my head down, I was exhausted and not just tired, but I was so depleted. I was so empty and I would oftentimes be really resentful. I don't know if any of you can relate to that where you give and you give and you give and you check this box and you do this thing and you should do this. So you do it. And then at the end of the day, going to bed angry, going to bed frustrated because I've done all these things. And yes, I'm moving forward in my life per society, but I don't feel that I'm moving forward closer to my purpose, my true purpose, what my soul actually wants. And at the time, I didn't even know what that was exactly, but it's been through this discovery I'm talking about, this adventure that has led me now to be an international business owner. I mean, if you would have told me at this time frame at mid-20s or even my young 20s that I would be an international business owner, owner leading retreats across the world, coaching women on how to free themselves in exactly what I'm talking about here, I would have said, well, yeah, I, yeah, but not yet, not me. And so this adventure, this discovery, piece by piece, has led me into exactly who I am now, what I do now, and what I can say is I did not find any of these job titles or personality traits in a test or in a course catalog at a university. I have hand created every aspect of my life and it didn't start by because I inherited a bunch of money or I won the lottery or I got lucky or I was born into an entrepreneurial family because none of that happened. But it's because I slowly, step-by-step, piece-by-piece, discovered my own unique adventure. And then I said yes to everything that was in alignment to that and no to everything that was going to stop me, halt me, or be in in misalignment to that and it's not been easy it's been messy however that's exactly I'll start there with my story on exactly how I'm able to be here now with you and is there anything that helped you through like losing both of your parents like how did you get through that experience Definitely. In the beginning, I've been, def- I've been in therapy as really as long as I can remember. Um, so definitely support, support of having a therapist, having now, I would say even a coach, but at the time I was very much involved in therapy. And, you know, this, there's a couple answers I'll have to that. I, I know that grieving comes in stages 
And especially when we're that young and we lose parents, we really, even though we're consciously really trying to process and grieve and cry and missing and going through all the anger and the acceptance, all the stages of grief, oftentimes in my experience, I consciously did that. I'd go into phases of avoiding it completely. I'd go into phases of being in all of the emotion. I'd go into phases of being strong and like, I got this, I'm good. But it wasn't until later that I realized this is a trauma. This was a traumatic experience. And no matter if it's losing your parents, being a victim of a perpetrator or some kind of other traumatic experience, maybe something in your childhood, that these traumas actually become stored in our body. They become stored in the bio memory in our cells, ultimately in our genetic code. And so it hasn't been until, once again, this grand journey I'm talking about, this grand adventure, that I started doing much deeper work. So for me, I mean, it came for my dad about 10 years later, for my mom, probably about five years later, where I had consciously and in my mindset, I was in a fairly good place with it all, I would say, considering. However, I saw it show up in my relationships, my fear of loss, my patterns arising of, <laughs> and once again, none of this is conscious at the time, but let me see how far I can push this person because I need to know that I'm safe and I need to know if this person's really going to stay around because in my experience, in my body, if you love me, you're either going to leave by choice or by death. And that's scary. And that's not okay. And so unconsciously, that's really how I was showing up to my life. And not just in my intimate relationships, but in my friendships. I would get close to about here. And then it's like, this is, this is safe enough. This is close enough. If something happens, if you leave me, if you die, I'll be okay. I'll be sad, but I'll be okay. And that's really how I showed up to my life. And so it wasn't, like I said, until about my mid-20s that I started doing much deeper work. I started meditating. I started tuning in with guidance from coaches and teachers. I started tuning in more to my experience, my body, this moment, not just thinking about it, not just thinking about my dad passing away and how that was for me at that time, but really tuning in just in general to my body. I started learning breathwork techniques. I started learning more embodiment techniques, somatic release, all of these tools and techniques that I now teach in the work that I do to really address the trauma that was stored in my body and to relate this to all of the listeners. If you experience, for example, anxiety, depression, restlessness, that feeling in your gut, this is your body speaking to you. You don't just have anxiety. It's not really, it's a diagnosis, yes. However, it's really a symptom. It's really the sensations are your messenger. This is your body actually trying to talk to you. 
And when we take these medications or alcohol, or like I said, for me, I never took the anxiety medicines, but I tried everything else off the counter, boys, food, shopping, alcohol, we suppress the messengers. And these messengers have valuable, I mean, I am telling you, every answer you've ever been looking for is found here. Now, why most people, including myself at the time, don't allow these sensations, these messengers to speak too loudly, because I'm going to just be straight up. It's uncomfortable, like really, really uncomfortable. It's painful. It hurts. You really got to go, quote unquote, go there. But what I tell my clients, what I have told myself over the years, if you really want to heal it, you got to, you have to, you must feel it fully. Because if we can't accept those pieces and parts of ourselves, we will never be free. And I don't know about you, but I am interested only in being free, truly free, not free the American freedom. I'm talking free in my body, being so comfortable in my experience in my body moment to moment. I mean, let us know, respond to this podcast, however that works, but let us know. If that's something that you're like, oh my gosh, it would be a dream to be able to move through this life, being confident, being certain in my body and my experience and who I am. That's the kind of freedom I'm interested in. And it wasn't until I actually felt the pain, the loss. I actually gave myself permission to feel missing, that missing, the longing that I've been able to heal myself in a way that I still experience sensations in my body. However, I've been able to reframe, relearn, unlearn, and recreate relationships going forward where now I still experience some of those sensations, but I'm able to say to the friend or to the partner, hey, I'm scared right now. I'm really scared. And this is why I experienced this and this and this in my life. And I really need to know that you're, and then we're able to communicate whatever that looks like. We're able to really have those kinds of conversations where I get to feel safe. They get to know more about the truth of me, the authentic me. And I am blown away. It's, it's a little bit scary every time, but I'm blown away at how connected, how safe, I really get to feel when I'm vulnerable versus for most of my 20s being the strong one. I basically packed up my dad passing away, my mom passing away, everything else in my life into this backpack and I was putting I put it on and I was carrying it. I was always the optimistic, the positive, the strong one and I could do it. And I could even compartmentalize parts of it and I'm I'm good. But after a while, that freaking backpack, it's so heavy. And I was done carrying it. I was really done carrying it because I knew in carrying that backpack, I was being so limited to who I could impact, what I could even experience in this life, what I could create. And I really devoted in that moment, I devoted my life to figuring out (laughs) 
really at the time figuring out what it would be that could actually free me from this backpack I was carrying. And what inspired you to start your retreat business? And yeah. And what do you do to like make your retreats different than other retreats? Like how do you Yeah, that's such a great that's such a great question. So I do own an international retreat company and oh man, I could have never guessed that that would be the case. However, back in 2016, I started talking to this very cute boy named Scotty King. And we were, he was in Arizona at the time. I was living in Louisiana. That's where I went to university and I was working as a brand new ICU nurse. And he was graduating university and he invited me. He had already planned his own solo three month backpacking trip to Southeast Asia. Well, I didn't know at the time in other countries, our other Western counterparts like England and Germany and Australia, that's like so common. They all do that. Everyone that's 20, they take this gap year after college and they go and travel and backpack and see the world and really get that cultural learning experience. But in America, three months, like no way, that's unheard of. And so I remember I had always had this desire, I mean, to travel. I was always this free spirit. However, I didn't grow up with a lot of these experiences. However, my heart had these desires and I was in a place in my life at the time where I was doing as many little weekend trips, as many maybe jump in states as much as I could. But I always was under the impression that international travel had to come much later. Like once I'm retired, once I have enough money, once I have more freedom. And I remember we started talking and it finally got to a point where he invited me on his trip. And I was like, I'll go. I remember at the time, I'll go for two weeks. Like, that's a long time. Like, how epic would that be to go to Southeast Asia, Thailand, wherever I was going to meet up with him, be on the beach, adventure for two weeks. Amazing. And then as I was learning more from him, from the research he was doing, and I just really put my big brave on, two weeks turned into a month, turned into two months to I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for two months. I still want you to have your one month adventure solo, but I'm going to go for two months. And that's exactly what I did. I ended up, I was coming up just on a year of my job. So I was already planning on probably starting to move into travel nursing. And so I kind of had this really opportunity to maybe take a two month break. I had enough money saved, I, I could pull it off. And so I booked a one-way ticket. I packed up my entire house, drove across country to Arizona, packed, parked my car, and packed one backpack and left the country for two months. I ended up, after two weeks of being there, my partner and I both said, how can we make this last longer? I mean, we were obsessed. We were obsessed with the culture, what we were learning what we were experiencing. I mean, in, it, I'm speechless even talking about it now. I, we were obsessed with the travel and the nature and everything we were experiencing. And our question was, how can we do this longer? Because two months sounds like a long time, but when you've already experienced two weeks and you know you ha only have six weeks left and there's so many more places you want to go, it's not enough. And so very quickly, my two-month trip turned into five months. So I ended up being gone five months. We were very, at the time, very much budget backpacking. We figured out a way. 
if we volunteered enough, if we did this, if we did that, that we could stretch the money we had originally saved for the trip from two months to five months. And so Scotty did six months, I did five months. And when we came back, we had this burning question that I think a lot of us have. How can I have freedom to do what I desire, regularly playing in my passions, living a life that I truly love? How many, I mean, how many of you out there have asked yourself that question probably once or twice? And so we came back with this new inspiration, this new awareness ultimately of what was possible that we don't really in our American mind know is possible. We're always taught you have to be rich to travel. You have to be able to have a lot of time to travel. You have to be able to have freedom to travel. And yes, to an extent, some of that is true, but because we went over there and we experienced that actually it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And actually it's a lot safer than the way it's portrayed in our media. And it's totally doable for, for really anyone. And so we were asking ourselves this question and we were blown away because we would be sharing our travel stories with friends or acquaintances when we would get back and everyone would say, oh my gosh, that's my dream. That's so cool. I wish I could do that. And we would both look at each other and say, we were so confused because we're like, you can. And then in that moment, we realized, okay, this problem, this mindset, this belief goes much deeper than can I travel or not? Can I afford to travel or not? And it's not even just about travel, but we started having conversations with so many people realizing people don't even allow themselves to dream or believe that it could be possible. They don't even let themselves go there. It's an immediate, oh no, I can't. Because as soon as we would say that, well, you can it would just be a completely shit, a complete change in the person. It was like they were shutting down. They wouldn't even let themselves dream or go there. And so Scotty and I put our heads together. We had no idea what we wanted to create at first, but we knew we wanted the freedom, the passion, and the love. And so we tried, we're like, okay, we'll be travel bloggers. We, we were throwing a lot of spaghetti up against the wall. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do some, we both had a very strong background in health and wellness. Maybe we'll kind of go that route. And we were so determined. We ended up hiring business mentors, business coaches to help us, to really assist us in gaining the clarity we needed because we were so new to the online world, the entrepreneurial world. We had no idea what we were doing. We were just, we just knew we wanted the freedom to travel. And so long story short, we ended up really birthing the business that we have now, American Wonder Love, global influencing company, and we host transformational adventure retreats for the modern day person. So yes, we do yoga. Yes, we do meditation. Yes, it's very retreat. However, we're not just laying around by the pool eating vegan food and journaling. Yes, we have time for that. And that's amazing. And there's times for that but we are experiencing transformation. So we're not just talking about what it's like to overcome our fears and the steps to do that. You're actually hiking an active volcano to the very top and watching yourself get frustrated, wanna quit, wanna turn around, wanna cry and cry. And you get to experience, when you get to the top, when, the, when I'm so blown away, it makes me emotional. Because even myself, 
but to, I'll talk about my participants when they're, that's just one example, when they're finally on the, the peak, they've made it to the summit. You can't argue with that. <laughs> You're there, you did it. So all the stories, the chatter, I can't, I'm not an adventurous person, I'm not strong enough. I, you can't argue, you did it, you're there. And so in that moment, it is mind blowing what people realize. You can't unsee that. And all at that moment you can see is all the times you've stopped yourself from reaching your personal summit. And so our retreats are very unique in the sense that you really do, most of our retreats have been in Bali, you really do see the best of Bali and not just the touristy stuff. We bring in the cultural experience where you are still experiencing some luxury, but we bring in a truly authentic local experience, a cultural experience where our American eyes get, and hearts get to be opened. We bring in adventure and experience as one of our main facilitators of transformation. So yes, we do sit in circles and meditate and do yoga and all those beautiful things. I, those are massive tools that I've used in my own journey. But we spend a lot of our time experiencing, ultimately living the adventures of life, not just talking about it. And what would you, what's the benefit of like, going to a retreat versus going to a live event? Like, why is it good to get out of the environment you're in right now and go somewhere new? I love that question. It's everything. It's, I mean, period. It's everything. It all started for me. I mean, I remember when I first moved out of my hometown, even at about 21 years old, I had lived in the same house for 19 years. Now I'm telling you the longest I've lived somewhere is seven months, you know? So I went from living in the same house for 19 years to really since then moving all over the country, all over the world. And all, if I had to pick one tool, I, it's, it's difficult, but if I had to pick one tool of the most effective transformation that I've experienced, it's been, we hear it all the time, stepping outside of our zone of comfort. But what I don't see often enough because it's that scary is really leaving our hometown really completely and maybe not forever. Travel's a great opportunity to temporarily leave everything we've known where you don't have to have a GPS, you know exactly where to drive, you can drive across town, you know your store, you know exactly where you park. There's really not a lot of thought in that. In fact, I mean, how many have dr actually driven to work and not remembered? Whoa, like if you actually think about that, you're operating a heavy machinery that weighs tons and you don't even remember doing it. That's how powerful our subconscious mind is. You're so powerful and you don't even know it. And so as soon as we step outside of our hometown or wherever we're living, and especially when we step outside of the borders of America, we are able to, we're, we're no longer the head honcho. We're no longer, we don't, we no longer know it all. We don't, we no longer know where to park. We no longer know exactly where our apps are and where our food is. And in that level of vulnerability really is where we're able to connect more to our authentic self. 
and we're able to witness where we're strong, where we're weak, where we do get scared, where we thrive, what we need, what we don't need, because we're in a completely new environment. And so I would say that ultimately it's everything. If you have been feeling this calling on your heart for more, or you've been wanting even just a weekend adventure up north or wherever you live in the country, and you've been feeling this like, oh, I just want an adventure. Who has said that? Or I just want something different. I want to be outside. I want to be that. I remember I, I used to tell myself, I just want to be that like adventurous, badass girl. I want to be her. And I thought that she was so outside of myself. But what I discovered is I am her. I just wasn't giving myself permission or the experiences for her to shine. And so give yourself, that's what, I mean, I will add to that. Give yourself what your soul is asking for. This like itch that's saying, I want more. I want adventures. I want to go hike. I want to feel alive. My question to you would be, are you giving yourself opportunities where you get to feel alive? Or are you doing the same old, same old, same old, because it's what you know, it's comfortable. Or I know for me, I was always waiting for the boyfriend to want to go with me. I was always waiting for the friend to be ready and, and really be kind of the, the raw, raw support. You got this. And finally, it got to a point where I said, I'm, t I'm done waiting. Our life is not a waiting room. Our life is to be lived. And so ultimately, what I realized over time is it took a lot of trusting myself, learning to trust myself, because I was waiting on the boyfriend. I was waiting on the friend. I was waiting on life to perfectly align in whatever way I thought it needed to first. But really, I was just scared of what if I messed up? What if I couldn't actually do it? And so I started giving myself, it started with little hikes, local hikes. It started with just being out in nature more. It started with, hmm, I wonder, or wouldn't it be cool if this, insert your own sentence here. And I learned over time to really trust this noise, this sound, this voice, this nudge every time I had it. And I started following more and more of what charmed me versus what drained me. And did you have any blocks going full time into your business? Any blocks around like, if I can travel full time and make money, this could be too easy. You know, how can I do this? Totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I remember funny story. I, I remember. And now it's so funny, you know, knowing myself, knowing Scotty, knowing our business. It's so funny to think this, but this is the truth. When we first started our business and we were stepping out and we were going to be doing coaching one-on-one -on -one to start virtually. And then we were going to move into retreats. And I remember telling my ex-partner at the time, I told him, okay, you'll be the coach. You're so amazing. Like I'll just kind of be the secretary and I'll do the notes and I'll do the emails and I'll just kind of like do all this stuff. But 
I'm, I'm not ready. And it's hilarious now because in fact, I actually do more of the coaching in our business than even Scotty does now. However, I was really stopping myself. I was really limiting myself. And a very common belief I had in the beginning was, who am I? Who am I to say that I'm a coach, first of all? Who am I to guide others when, heck, I'm still figuring it out for myself? And I remember in the very beginning stages, I was so embarrassed. Honestly, I was, I loved my business. I loved what I was creating when we finally got our logo and it was coming to life. I was like obsessed, but in the very beginning, the identity shift was too huge for me. And so I had one side of my life that I was building where I was attracting more empowering people, high vibe people. I was putting myself in rooms with business owners and entrepreneurs and going to yoga classes and going to these meditations and just really living an epic, starting to live a really epic, fulfilled life of light. But then there was this other side of my life that was all I knew. And I was so, I remember hiding even my business from my, some of the family members I was living with at the time. They knew little bits, but I really wasn't even confident or comfortable enough to share with them because I told myself that they wouldn't, because they really knew me, quote unquote, they would see through me and they would question me and they would doubt me and who am, once again, who am I? But what I realized is my fear of what others were going to think, what my family was going to think, was ultimately because I was scared of what I thought. I was hella judging myself. I was really making myself wrong. And so now the next question probably is, well, how'd you combat that? <laughs> like, here you are now talking so confidently and sharing the love of your business. And it's so funny because I do get that question often is like, okay, how, how did you go from literally being so embarrassed to post about your business to that's all you post about now, for example. And one answer that most people don't like, but I'm going to give is time, time and action, repetition. Once again, going back to what we were talking about earlier with a lot of these I say that your subconscious is your body. And so a lot of these belief systems being stored in our body, we can, I, I consciously knew, Leslie, what you're creating is amazing. You totally have so much offer, so much to offer, so much to give, so much to teach. But yet the doubts, we call the doubts creep in, right, of who am I? And so it was only through being nervous acting anyways, doubting myself, correcting, telling myself something different over and over and over, surrounding myself with people and places in which I wanted to be like or be in. I had to really start recreating my life to be a match fully for who I was stepping into. Because otherwise the mismatch got way too big. If I was in my normal life with my normal friends having the same normal conversations, but behind closed doors, I was attempting to be a coach and a business owner. That only created more inner conflict for myself because then I really did feel like I was lying. 
I really did feel like an imposter or a fraud, which is oftentimes why in the beginning, especially when someone is starting a business, if you've ever heard of imposter syndrome, that conversation comes up often. And what I see is it's a natural process. I think, I believe every single person experiences it to some degree. However, a big part of that is because we're, we still really are living two lives. So we really are, in a sense, an imposter. We're not wrong. We're not lying. But it totally makes sense why that imposter feeling would, would show up. Because we're not our new authentic self with our family in the beginning, typically. We're not our new authentic self with our old friends because, quote unquote, they're not going to get it. But then when we're in the yoga studio or when we're at the networking event, we're like, I'm Leslie, I'm the coach. And yeah, join my business. Duh. But when we're with our family or our friends, it's like, yeah, you know, we completely change the script. And so the more and it, and it was scary and parts were sad. It takes some letting go really accepting that certain people, places, and things are seasonal. They are to act as the bridge from point A to point B, and now I'm at point C. And that I can love each person along the way, but not every single person needs to come along with me. And so the more that we can release the old, we create space for the new, and with repetition, and a lot of big girl brave pants on, over time we start really sitting into and owning this new identity that we're creating for ourselves. And can you go into what it's like to run a business with your ex-boyfriend, maybe how you, how you guys work together, how you establish boundaries, how that whole, yeah. how that's been going, yeah. Yeah, I love the word boundaries. I love that you said that. So I'm so happy to talk about this because it is fairly new. My part, my ex-partner and business partner and I have been running our business now for three and a half going on four years. And since the pandemic, so basically since March, we have been separated. And really since then, it's been its own adventure. It's been its own journey. And we still very much are navigating what it's going to look like, be like going forward. However, I love that you said the word boundaries because to really actually relate this to anyone listening as I share my story, no matter what you're navigating, what difficult situation, whether it's maybe you have a child with someone or you just got laid off, no matter what it is that you're experiencing, it's being very clear on what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. And I'm going to speak specifically to women for a second because we have generations of conditioning that say that we need to kind of sit down, shut up, and just go with the norm, go with the flow. And anytime we express our emotion, we can, but only to a certain degree, we can't get too wild or too messy. And typically, not always, but typically, in my experience anyway, my, with myself and my clients, we kind of just go with what the other person's saying because we want to be in flow. We want to make everything flow nicely. We don't want to offend. We want to be nice. Ultimately, we want to be accepted. And so what I would encourage each and every one of you that are going through something very difficult where 
it can get super clouded. It can get confusing. It can even get frustrating for Scotty and myself. It's been, first of all, stopping and asking ourselves, no matter what it is, conversation, a decision, how would love move through me right now? If I'm truly connected to an open, loving heart, would I say this? Would I act in this way? So first, taking personal responsibility. It's very easy right now, especially in the kind of newer, more raw, wounded spaces to blame, right? And point fingers. But it, what if we stopped ourselves and asked, if I'm truly walking in love, would I say this? Would I act in this way? And most of the time I'm like, no, 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 I wouldn't. And so then I get to take corrective action. And then secondly, being clear, communicating, which takes courage, communicating with each other on what it is we need and what it is we don't need, what it is we're okay with, what it is we're not okay with moving forward. And ultimately coming together, that can kind of sound harsh hearing that, but I want to add in kind of to reframe that a little bit, because ultimately we get to come together and collaborate and create whatever that looks like. And so boundaries, I know typically it's like, oh, boundaries, Ooh, I got to get strict. I got to, I got to like lay down the law and it can look like that. But I'd like to reframe boundaries for just a second. And what Scotty and I get to do now, it's not easy always, but what we get to do now is we really get to come together with his very strong, unique perspective, my very strong, unique perspective. And we get to come together and share our needs, share what we're not okay with, share what we're okay with and collaborate and create a relationship that honestly doesn't make sense to most people. And it definitely doesn't make sense to society. But what if you started creating relationships in your life, friendships in your life, experiences in your life that made sense to you? How different would your life be? And so that's ultimately how we're navigating through this is we're creating what we need it to look like, what we want it to look like going forward. And we've tripped up a few times along the way, but we keep returning to ultimately what we're committed to. And so that's the third piece I'll, I'll leave you all with is asking yourself, no matter what you're navigating right now, what am I ultimately committed to? Because of course I have frustration. Of course I want to point fingers and blame and be hurt. And I am very much in my human experience of that. But what if I actually stayed true to what I'm committed to? And I'm, commit, I'm not committed to being angry. I'm not committed to pointing fingers and being hurt and sad and eating ice cream. I'm really not committed to that. I'm committed to being free, to being the best version of myself. And the best version of myself is pure love and joy. And so, all right, I tripped up a little bit. And ultimately, what am I committed to? I'm committed to being love. I'm committed to inspiring. 
I'm committing to generating huge impact in this world. And oftentimes we kind of left let ourselves off the hook because we let these sensations I've been talking about, the emotions overtake us. It's very easy to, I get it. But then we end up once again, at the end of the day, empty, frustrated, angry because our boundaries weren't fo- you know, followed or honored. We didn't follow through on who we said we were going to be or what we said we were going to do. And so there is a level of, once again, responsibility. And what are you committed to? So I keep personally returning back to what I'm committed to when I find myself having a human moment of being hurt, of being frustrated, is I return to what I'm out to do and be in this world. And I'm very clear on what qualities it will take to do and be that. And so I always return to that anytime I catch myself. And what is something that's lighting you up right now? Mm. So many things, (laughs) but something that is definitely lighting me up right now is 2020, the Aquarian age, baby. We are right on time with, I keep calling it, this is the revolution. It's been talked about for generations. We've kind of known the world's rapidly changing. But what really lights me up is in 2020, how much is being uncovered, how much is being revealed. And yes, we've been all across the board swallowing very big pills that we haven't really swallowed ever. None of our ancestors did generations before us just looked away talk about that behind closed doors and what lights me up right now is how much is becoming revealed the awakening that truly is happening in everybody across the board the changes that are actually occurring the authenticity the vulnerability the realness that is so much more accepted than even five years ago I truly see change happening and the last 2000 years of patriarchal era, now we're in the Aquarian era and I know all of us world changers, light workers, just people who care about the planet. We are so pumped and we're so excited to see all this change. But what I will also add, what really lights me up, Sophia, is this is a 2000 year era. So it would be crazy to think that we will see all, we'll see Lumeria, we'll see the golden gates of heaven and us returning back to how the planet originally was. However, really owning and getting that we are truly pioneering what's happening in the world right now. That you being on the planet right now in this time, not 30 years from now, not 50 years ago, But the fact that you are on this planet right now is so on purpose. And oftentimes I get asked, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how I can really be an impact. I want to, I want to have a part in this revolution, but like, who am I? Once again, right back to the question, who am I to make an impact? Who am I to use my voice? First start by just really owning and recognizing that this is a 2000 year era that we are literally only six months into and we are all pioneering. Every choice we make 
from the foods we eat, the people we interact with, the words we speak, the energy we carry are literally laying the foundation for this next 2000 years. When we can really zoom out and see how big this really is, we can zoom out and really see our responsibility. It's not about, you can protest, but it's not about holding up a sign and even saying their names. But what actions are you taking moment to moment to really reveal yourself, your own belief systems, your own biases, your own health, what the old way you've been doing things? Have you been asking yourself, like, what would the new way look like for me? Or am I just waiting to try to return to the old, the, like the normal? I'm just waiting for life to return back to normal. Baby, the old normal is not working. It's crumbling on purpose. And so we now get to all take radical responsibility, not blaming ourselves or others, but really taking responsibility for our energy, for our thoughts, for our words, for our actions, because we're laying the foundation for true change to occur. It's huge. It's really big. And that really lights me up. What is something that most people don't know about you? Let's see, there's a couple things. I'll start with something fun. Most people don't know that I've never ate an entire hamburger in my entire life. So that's kind of like a fun fact. Um, let's see, what's something else? Something else that mm, I would say your average bear doesn't know about me is I am adopted. And about seven, eight years ago, I did come back in contact with my biological mother and biological family. And that's also been a huge kickstart to my journey. And a lot of people don't know, they either know I'm adopted or they know I'm in contact, but they don't always know kind of that full story, which we might have to have a whole nother episode for. <laughs> yeah. And did you have to go through a lot of forgiveness, like meeting them again? Or huge. I'm still, I'm still very much in that also has been a journey where in the beginning it was super exciting. It was like, I'm like, this is some Oprah stuff. Okay. Like this is, this is huge. And that alone has been its own journey of moving from excitement to avoidance to confusion to, I mean, I've really moved all across the board in that, but absolutely what I've really found though, over and over again when it comes to forgiveness is yes forgiving the other person but what I've personally found is ultimately it's really forgiving myself because then you're like wait but you were adopted like you you were the quote-unquote victim however forgiving myself for all the times I've been hard on myself forgiving myself for all the times I doubted my worth because of my the cards I was dealt forgiving myself for all the times I made myself really wrong for my life. And the more that I come to deeper and deeper levels of acceptance for my journey, for my story, for the cards I have been dealt, naturally my heart opens into forgiveness for my mother, for my story, for my life. And what's something that you're learning right now? Hmm. 
to allow, to allow, in fact, it's funny, my, I've, for the last six, seven years, I've chosen a word of the year. Instead of a New Year's resolution, I choose a word and I really embody and dive into and just naturally, I don't even have to try, my whole year ends up becoming whatever that word is. And I had a little bit of resistance in the beginning of this year choosing my word. I knew it was going to either be allow or accept because I just knew in my own journey what I was experiencing that that was really my next lesson. And I was really resistant to the word allow for some reason. Well, I'm for some reason. And I didn't, even though I knew by definition what it meant, and I even on a spiritual concept level, I had an understanding of allowing, but I didn't have a personal connection to the word. In fact, like I said, I was pretty resistant to it actually. But I knew because there was some resistance, it needed to be my word. So it was my word. And it wasn't until just recently, Sophia, that I've had the biggest lesson in allowing. And I'll share just a little bit about what I mean by that. And it is, I, I think like all of us, it feels good when we know what's coming next. It feels good when we kind of have a handle to some degree on our life, on our plans, on our relationships, on our friendships. And for me, you've heard a little bit of my story, but especially coming from a lot of loss, a lot of change, for me to have that security, that death grip (laughs) feels safe for me. It has me feel in control. And there's been so many areas of my life since even the, the global pandemic that my life personally and professionally has changed drastically. And I remember the way I was just, I describe it is I don't know if you remember those little toys when we were younger, but you put the star in and you put the triangle in and then you put the circle in and you shake it up. And it was like all the pieces of my life were in this toy and it was shook up real hard and they all, all the pieces went flying and they all were everywhere. And normally in true Leslie survival fashion, I would have Oh, let me just, I got you. I'll save you. I, and I would, in, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the dust, I would be picking up all these pieces, putting out fires, dusting them off and trying to put them back on the shelves where they belong. And it was very clear to me, as I think it was clear to a lot of you through this global pandemic, when we all got sat down, when I was sat down, I said, when this was falling away, that was falling away, this, my hard drive broke. I mean, it was just like everything. It was just overnight, boom. It was very clear to me, I need to sit down. I really need to sit down and wait for the dust to settle and really allow what's going to fall away to fall away and allow what's meant to stay to stay. And that is what I'm learning that I, it's actually, that's very authentic, vulnerable share because that is, I'm dead set in the middle of that lesson for myself of really what that looks like to allow because the humanness of me wants to hold on, wants it to work, wants to be strong enough to put the fires out because I can. But when we move into allowing the clarity to come, 
allowing what naturally is going to fall away to fall away and what's going to stay to stay. I have this new excitement right now, this new, I don't even know what word I could use fire that's bubbling up within me because I, I still, it's still not clear. The dust is like still lingering a little bit. However, I have been able to experience so much more peace in the chaos, so much more calm in the storm because I'm really just allowing my life to speak, my life to guide. It's not passive. That's last bit I'll add. It's not a passive role where I'm just sitting back and like, all right, life, I'm allowing you to do your thing and I'm just sitting back here. I'm showing up and I'm taking actions. But what I'm not doing is controlling outcomes. And that's my current lesson. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell her? Be you. Do you. Discover what sets your soul on fire and do nothing else but that. Someone else used that phrase a couple weeks ago. That phrase keeps on coming up. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think I, <laughs> I think I, I love that because I think when we're 20, right, we are figuring it out. We're like, who am I? What am I? Everyone's saying I should do this, but I want to do this. But can I do this? And then when we enter our 30s and we've already figured out a little bit of that through the messes, through the shit shows, we're like, girl, if you just do what charms you, if you just do what truly fires you up and sets you, your soul on fire, first of all, you'll have more fun. <laughs> and it will be very, very clear. Your passion absolutely leads to your purpose. I see it in my own life. I see it in so many women around me. And so when our soul is on fire, we're turned on, we're alive. And when we're alive, we're in direct alignment with, with this galaxy, with this universe, with life force, with all possibilities, not just the limited boxes that we've been taught to stay in. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, this was incredible. Thank you for being such a great host and for sharing your message. I mean, I just absolutely, as soon as there was this opportunity for this podcast, I was like, uh, duh, absolutely. And I've, I'm just so grateful to be on the show and share some of my messes. And really, ultimately, anytime we share our stories, it's so interesting how it's like these dark secrets that we don't want anyone to know. However, I've found the more real and authentic I can be and share, it's ultimate. It just gives others permission to do the same. Where can people connect with you? Great question. You can connect with me on social media. My name is Leslie Medley. My personal Instagram is at the Leslie Medley. And then my website, as well as Instagram and Facebook, are American Wonder Love. So American, just like it's spelled. And then Wander with an A. So W-A-N-D-E-R, love, not lust. 
wonder love two words you can find us on facebook instagram and then our website is www.americanwonderlove.com thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day